Hey, this is Quentin Moore, and I'm the pastor of the Father's House, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope the message inspires you, gives you faith, and lets you see that God is truly moving in your life. We hope you enjoy today's message. If you got a Bible, I want you just to glance over. I'm going to start working through Corinthians, but the verse I started using last week was out of Zechariah, the Old Testament, as Zechariah the prophet was prophesying into the New Testament church, an expression of God. And he said, uh, the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel was not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. Say with me, by my spirit. God says, I'm going to do everything by my spirit. In the future, it won't rely on men's power or ability or acuity. It'll rely on the spirit of God. And last week, I began to say to you that I was an unashamed, spirit-filled person. And I really mean that. I'm unashamedly spirit-filled. I was raised in a spirit-filled church and saw all kinds of things and uh, wandered in a different direction. And God sent a Lutheran minister into the little hometown where I grew up was living at the time to share the love of Christ with me. And so I started to school and uh, literally wanted to be a Lutheran minister and ended up in a class at WSU University. And a Roman Catholic priest took me to the basement of WSU to listen to a fallen Assembly of God preacher call for people to be spirit-filled. Now, if you're a Pentecostal holiness person, the fact that a Lutheran could lead you to Christ and a Catholic could take you to a Bible study and a forsaken Assembly of God pastor could pray for you to receive the Holy Spirit, you got to understand, we got problems right now. Because God can't, no. Uh, I simply say all that to say God never gave up on me. I simply say that to say that God will never stop trying to bring you into the fullness of his spirit. He'll never stop trying. And and no matter whether you get confused about the silliness of what has been portrayed as spirit-filled, or you get upset with the hypocrisy that you see within the church, that God still pursues you because he wants a deep relationship with you. And that he is a spirit. The Lord is a spirit. God is a spirit. And that that relationship is a spiritual experience. And, and so I actually think that right now the, the world has all got caught up in its head knowledge. I think it's relying on its education, its information, and its deductive reasoning to the degree that we have pushed the presence of the Holy Spirit so far away, not only from our world, but from the church. Uh, that we push the Holy Spirit out to the fringes to where we could do church without Him and no one seemed to mind. And the truth of the matter is, is that we're living in the 21st century and we really need the presence of the Holy Spirit working in our lives in every single area. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. That word spirit means breath or wind, depending on whether you're talking about it in the Hebrew or in the Greek. But to be propelled by. Without the work of the Spirit, there'd be no creation. Without the work of the Spirit, there'd be no human race, no virgin birth. There'd be no victory over your sin. There'd be no expectation of the return of God. You see, today, to talk about being Spirit-filled is hindered by two things. People that think they know everything about the Holy Spirit and people who think they know nothing about the Holy Spirit. It's hindered by extremes, not unlike the culture we live in and its binary divisions of left and right. We need to recognize that God wants us to be filled with and under the control of the power and the presence of God, His Spirit. 
And last week I tried to talk to you about the foundation of living a spirit-filled life is found first of all in prayer. That you have to prioritize prayer in your life. And that prayer is not just off the top of your head, spontaneous, whatever you think, because that's manipulation. That prayer has a pattern to it, has a process to it, has directives to it, and that you need to learn a pattern of prayer. And then to pray prayer of power, prayer of boldness, prayer of intentionality that calls God into those issues in our lives that are beyond our ability to cope with. I, I talked to you a little bit about Caleb. Caleb, who, the Bible says Caleb had a different spirit and followed the Lord unreservedly that he had a different spirit, that he and Joshua were able to go into the promised land, that they could push past the giants, that they could push past their self-view of being grasshoppers, and they could possess the land that flowed with milk and honey. You see, the kind of spirit you have will determine the life that you live. If you have a critical spirit, you will live critical your whole life. Have you ever met people that just mean I mean, just mean-spirited people. It wouldn't matter. They're just mean. They're critical. They're mean. They're un- but if you meet someone that has a generous spirit, a kind spirit, come on, you ever met somebody that just, they're just kind? See, the kind of spirit that you have will determine the life that you live. And so last week I was trying to start a series where I, I asked you, what kind of spirit do you have? The Bible says we've been given, given the spirit of adoption that we've been given the spirit that is not unto bondage or to fear, but that we've received this spirit that brings us into relationship with God and that we need to have our lives filled with and today shaped by. That we are filled with the spirit so that he can shape and mold our lives, so that he can form us, transform us, reform us, whatever language you like to use, that God himself comes on the inside of us to reshape and to reform and to renew us into the image and the likeness that he created us to walk in. It's not hard to see the demarcation of the Holy Spirit. If you look at the disciples of the Gospels, they were a bunch of idiots. I'm serious. They're always arguing over who's the greatest. They're always arguing over whether they're going to sit to the right or the left. Peter's always putting his foot in his mouth. I mean, they can't get along for two seconds. But Acts chapter 2 says that after the Holy Spirit had come, they all begin to work with one heart, one mind, and one mission. They got along. Can I tell you something? The first mark of the Holy Spirit is that you love one another. The first mark of the Holy Spirit is that you are in unity with each other because they learned how to live with each other. They learned how to go on mission with one another. They learned how to operate with one another. They learned how to pray with one another. They became so transformed that by the 11th chapter of the book of Acts, the world around them said they look like a little Christ and they were called Christians. Can I tell you why I know that this is such an important, timely message in our generation? Because today the church can't decide and agree on anything. The church has this opinion over here and this opinion over here and this opinion over here. We are now denominational on steroids. About 50 years ago, the church thought that she could become non-denominational and fight against the denominationalism. Can I tell you that now what you have is non-denominational churches that have every kind of idea that's contrary to being in unity with God. That the reason why the world's in such trouble today is not because governments have different opinions, but because the church has different opinions. We are called to be one church, 
One God, one Lord, one spirit. The church should be saying the same thing and not different things. The church is not so that you can have your opinion and I can have my opinion or this is the way I think or this is the way you think. No, we're supposed to be listening to one Holy Spirit. And can I tell you something? He is not saying different things to different people. He is saying the same things to all people. It's just that we are too stubborn and manipulated to hear what he is saying. We would rather remain God in our own lives than having God correct us. We must become spirit-filled, spirit-shaped people. And that is not an experience. That is not just so that I can have some kind of goosebump. It is so that God can shape us and form us into the reality that when God looks at us, they say, there's Christ. And the world needs Jesus Christ. They don't need our opinions. They need to see the Lord high, God on high, the one who comes to forgive and to restore and then to unite. I have spent my life for the church. I believe the church is the, is the way God is reaching the world. The church needs to repent and come into the unity of the Holy Spirit and recognize that without the Holy Spirit, there are nothing but a program trying to reach people that need the Spirit of God. Notice how quiet you get. We need spirit-filled lives. We need spirit-filled marriages. We need spirit-filled schools. The last word that Christ said was, wait until you receive the Holy Spirit. Wait until you have received the presence of the living God that comes to be inside of you. And the Holy Spirit is not an it. It's not it. It's not Father, Son, and old what's-his name. It's God. He's a he. He, he will be your helper. He will be your counselor. He will be the one that teaches you all things and brings all things into your remembrance. He will lead you and he will guide you. He, he can be grieved. See, if it's an it, he can't be grieved. He is God, and he can be grieved when we talk bad about one another. He can be grieved when we fail to forgive one another. He can be grieved when we are divided over things that don't matter. He can be grieved because we're double-minded. He can be grieved. Have you ever been wounded by a friend? Because they, listen, I believe the Holy Spirit is grieved with the church of the world today because they keep talking bad about one another. I believe God is grieved because we can't seem to figure out how to forgive and move on. I believe God is grieved because we've been drawn up into the politics of the world and realized that God doesn't care about our politics. He's trying to bring his kingdom into this world. I believe he's grieved with the behaviors of so many people that want to manipulate other people into their position. And if you haven't figured it out, human nature is manipulative. If you don't believe me, come with me this afternoon. I'll take you into the presence of 11 grandchildren. I promise you from the one-year-old to the 11th-year-old, they're all trying to get what they want. They're trying to manipulate. They'll go over, Mama said I could. Daddy said, they'll be trying to manipulate. And, and that's cute when you're four, but when you're 25, it ain't cute. <laughs> and we'll tolerate it here. You see, there's no way to manipulate the Holy Spirit. There's no way. God will not be manipulated. That's why many prayers were made unanswered, because we're trying to tell God that we want that sucker, and God says, you don't need to sucker. You actually, notice how quiet it gets. We need lives that are shaped and formed by the Spirit of the living God, lives that are shaped and filled and following after, lives that surrender, lives that allow themselves to be remolded. That's why Paul was always saying, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you heard about Jesus? 
and Acts chapter 19, and those people said, we didn't, we, we've never heard about. Today, in America, in this land, listen to me, there are a lot of people that don't know anything about the Holy Spirit. They've never even been told a message about the Spirit of God coming to live on the inside of you. They've been told that if they stop doing this and they start doing that, then they can get their ticket to go to Disneyland. Don't do this, be like that, wear this moniker and get this sticker on the back of your car. Do this and then you can, when you die, you'll go to heaven. Can I tell you, there's a whole lot more to God than just going to heaven when you die. There's a whole lot more to it. It's about witnessing now. It's about telling other people that you can live this life called Christianity, but you can't do it on your own. Have you ever tried to love a neighbor? I mean, I'm serious. Really? I mean, how many of you got perfect neighbors? Yeah. I'm moving into your neighborhood. I'm just waiting because uh, I want to mess it up. Have you ever tried to turn the other cheek when someone slaps you? It's impossible. I've read this Bible a number of times. There's no way for me to do that. There's no way for you to do what's in that book. The only way to live the way the book tells you to live is to allow the God that wrote the book to get on the inside of you and begin to empower you to do what it is that he said you could do. It cannot be done without the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Have you received the Holy Spirit? And in verse, chapter 19, verse 11, the book of Acts, it comes right down there and it says, and they did unusual miracles. Un I I'm telling you, I get stuck over it every time I go there unusual miracles. Well, I just think any miracle, I don't know about you, but I'd, I'd settle for, any, it doesn't even have to be unusual, just, just a miracle would do, right? How about you this morning? If, you, if we could just have one miracle this morning, wouldn't you be elated? How about some unusual miracles? How about them flying out of here? I mean, just, Amen. see, you don't understand. I, I think like that. I, I'm just waiting for Cindy and to just... I want some unusual things. I want some things that would absolutely stun the status quo of church folk because God did something that was out of their imagination. I want God to do some unusual things. The caveat to unusual is they received the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is allowed to be God in the midst of His people, then you can expect God to do some unnatural, unexpected, unusual things in our lives. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of bored with normal Christianity. Oh, well, <laughs> I've been preaching for 40 years and I'm bored with us. I, I just like to see, so how was church today? You ain't going to believe it. He did some really unusual things. Now, let me just get real. This guy apologized to that guy. That would be unusual. It would be unusual that, that we met halfway in the middle and said, have it your way. It would be unusual. Oh, well. See, some unusual things, some above and beyond and over-the-top things where people's lives are changed. And but it takes the presence of the Holy Spirit to empower us to do those unusual things. So this morning I want to say to you, there is more on the menu than you have previously been told. There is more that is available to us if we would make room for the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. If we'd make room for the Holy Spirit to come in and reveal himself to us in ways that we had previously not expected him to happen. Okay, that's all. That was just all foundation. 
I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and uh, I think I'll read a verse or two above what I've got. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, I think I'll read in verse 14, and, and then I'm going to bounce around a little bit. You got your Bibles? Uh, they won't even have this one on the screen, so you're going to have to find it on your phone. Uh, do you search on your phone? You can, if you don't know where Corinthians is, you can look it up. It'll show you. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 14. But their minds were blinded until this day. The same veil remained unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. Did you know that you can read the book and still not know what it says? You can read that book. It's, I, I get interested in how people can read the book and get out of it what they get out of it. And they'll read that thing and turn around and use it over against these people. Because they'll read the Old Testament, but there's actually a veil over their eyes. Say a veil. They're, they're, until the day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament, because the veil is taken away in Christ. Say in Christ. Do you know the only one that can tell you what's in that book is the one that wrote it? The only one that can tell you what it really means is the God that wrote the book. That the book has been misused for many years to accomplish and be manipulated to accomplish what other people wanted it to accomplish. That many parts of the body of Christ take that book to tell women they can't preach. That many people take parts of that book to put other people, because see, unless it's read through the eyes of Christ, unless it's read through the one that forgave all people, unless it's read through the gospel of grace and mercy and forgiveness, people will say it's still an eye for an eye. It's not an eye for an eye. That was the way the pagans did it. That was the way he tried to make room for immature people to get along. But mature people know how to forgive one another and keep on going. The only way to read this book and truly understand it is through the eyes of the Christ that lifts the veil. But even to this day when Moses is read, a veil lies in their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is lifted. Wow. Now the Spirit, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is Say freedom. Say freedom. Freedom. Does that mean you get to do whatever you want to do? Does that mean you have a right to do whatever you want to do? No, liberty doesn't mean that everybody in this room gets to do whatever they want to do. Liberty means that we are free to know who we are. That we are free to be who we are. That we are free to be the people of God. It doesn't mean that everybody is free to just do whatever they think they want to do. It's a different kind of freedom. It's freedom to be who God called us to be and where God calls us to be in. When the veil is lifted. One of the most exciting moments of my life happened in Eureka, Kansas 44 years ago. I'll never forget it. It was on June the 25th. She can't remember the date. I know the date. It was about 7.15 in the evening. It was hot. It had rained the night before and there was lots of humidity. And I don't remember much about the preparation. I don't remember much about what followed, but I remember the moment that Gilbert Daniel said, you can lift the veil. I remember that moment. I remember lifting that veil that her mother had sewn for her. And I can remember looking in those blue eyes and I remember the color of her hair. It was an unveiling. It revealed something. You see, to unveil is to reveal. The word there in the original language is apocalypse. Is apocalyptic. <laughs> Do you know what's happened in the 21st century in the last 150, century, 150 years is people have taken the word apocalyptic and they've made it about the end. It has nothing to do with the end. It has to do with the beginning.
An apocalyptic moment is when God unveils what is there and you have not yet seen. When God reveals something that has been present, but you've been unaware of it. When God reveals who he is and who you are. When God makes known to you the hidden realities of his presence in your life. When that was unveiled, 44 years later, I'm still living out of what was unveiled to me. It was that powerful. I'm very concerned about a culture within the church that keeps talking about apocalypse when they don't even know what it means. You know, my grandmother used to say, if you asked her, how are you? And she'd say, I'm gay. Today, if she said that. <laughs> See, we allow the culture to rob us of a language. And many times within the body of Christ, we've allowed ourselves to be robbed of a language. When something's unveiled, it's apocalyptic. It means that God is showing you stuff that you didn't know was there. That he's revealing to you all that he is and all that he's gifted to you. That he can make known to you those things that are freely given to you. When an unveiling, to, and the Holy Spirit comes to reveal. And let me say something to you. Everybody likes to quote that and say, God will reveal your sin. Not to you, he won't. Not to you, he won't. He doesn't come to reveal my sin to you. He comes to reveal himself to me. Does it reveal my sin? To me, that, that, that word convict. Anybody know that word convict? He reveals your sin. Convict. You know the word convict? Con. Con means with. Vic means victory. He comes and reveals the victory that is yours if you'll face what you have. The church has used it so misappropriately. He said, I come to make known to you, to lift, to give you the details of your life, to let you see what's available to you that you had not yet seen. To be unveiled is to know what God has for you in this moment. I need the Holy Spirit unveiling to me the details of my life. I need the Holy Spirit to unveil to me what step to take next. I need the Holy Spirit to unveil to me. Do I get shot or do I not get shot? You'll get it in a minute. Should I need to lift the veil to know whether to go left or to go right. I need the path that God wants to walk in me. Listen, I need the Holy Spirit revealing to me how to live my life. Because without the Holy Spirit, I don't know. I can remember my boys coming to me and go, how do you know it was the one? I said, you'll just know. How will you know? I said, he'll lift a veil. He'll just let you know. My grandma used to say, you just know down in your knower. The Holy Spirit will reveal it. You don't... You just know. We need the Holy Spirit working in our lives to unveil to us those things that God has for us. When one turns to the Lord, that veil is lifted. He illuminates. He reveals to us what we ourselves cannot see. Jesus said when he comes, he'll tell you all things. Bring all things to your remembrance. He'll be the spirit of truth. He'll guide you. We need the Holy Spirit leading us through that reality. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, Paul writes this, Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man those things which God has prepared for him, but he has revealed them to us through his Spirit. He's apocalypsed them. He's unveiled them. 
I got to tell you, Anita, I, to live in the presence of the Holy Spirit is to move from one apocalyptic moment to another, to one unveiling to another, to one exciting thing to another. It's the most unboring life because every moment God shows me more of him and more of what he wants me to be. And oh, well, you're just... I get frustrated with people that are not living from apocalypse to apocalypse to apocalypse to apocalypse because I don't, I'm not afraid of apocalypse because apocalypse is God showing to me those things that he has prepared for me that I might live in them right now. Most people spend their life manipulating God to give them what they think they need so they can be happy rather than living in the unveiling of what he has already given to you. You'll get that in a minute. The Holy Spirit is, is so much more than power. Listen, there's electricity in this building and those lights come on. That, that's, listen, wind is power, but I don't worship the wind. A waterfall is power, but I don't. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Listen, power is the results of his presence, but I don't worship the power. He comes to reveal, say reveal make known, unveil. Let me tell you who the Holy Spirit is. He's intelligence. He's intelligence. He's God. He's the God that thought you up. He's the God that threw the moon out there and made the platypus all at the same moment. You can't learn what he knows. You can't go to school and get a degree. Education will never come up to this. He is divine intelligence. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He knows your past and your present, and he knows your future. He knows it all, and he says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll take what is mine and make it known unto you. Listen, I watch Pentecostals worship the display. I watch Pentecostals worship the emotion. I watch Pentecostals worship people fall. And can I tell you something? I've grown a little bit. It's not about the power. It's about the information. It's about the intelligence. It's about having the mind of God. It's about having a spirit of wisdom and a revelation that I might know what to do in the moments when my baby is sick and I can't get through. Listen, you need the Holy Spirit because he's smarter than you. He's smarter than your opinion. People are in trouble today because they won't allow their mind to bow to his intelligence. Stay right here until you receive my intelligence, I could say it like this, he's the central intelligent agent. You'll get it in a minute. He controls it all. He knows what you don't know and what you need to know that you don't know that you don't know. To be filled with him is to have the divine intelligence of the creator and the sustainer all in one on the inside of you. Listen, I Google nothing. Because information will never help you. This world is addicted to Google. It's addicted to information. And the Google algorithms, algorithms that are written are written to give you what you want, not what you need. It reads everything you've bought, everything you've been, everything you've already read, and it just feeds the same lie that you've already bought. Once it knows you like that, it'll just feed that lie. Instead of Googling, won't you ask God? Because it is the Holy Spirit who has the information, not Google go mad. 
Jesus. We need a divine download of the presence of God that updates our thinking so that it's divine and not humanity on steroids. We need a church, a people of God that come back to the reality that we have to wait until the Holy Spirit has given us information that is not natural. Because the natural mind does not receive the supernatural. You can't change anybody's mind, shut up. Quit arguing because they're never going to agree with you. If the Holy Spirit doesn't unveil their mind, they stay in dark. Oh well. I'm telling you, I came to town 30 plus years ago and they were preaching sermons about this young tongue-talking boy. I would go do, I did a radio show called The Call to Compassion. I knew nothing. Not unlike today. I didn't know anything. But I could pray for people. And so, what's that little guy's name? He's retired now, Dan Dimming. He comes to me and he says, Pastor, would you like to do a radio program? I said, yeah. I said, I have a church service that starts at 8.30. He says, well, he said, we can do 7.30 to 8.00. that would give you 30 minutes to drive back across town and do your first service. I said, okay. I, I, I said, but I don't know what to do. He said, what do you mean you don't know what to do? I said, I don't know what to do. What are you doing at a radio station? I said, I guess I could pray for people. So I called it the call to compassion. And it was a live show. And, and, and you, you, you remember this? And people would call and I'd pray for them on, on air. And then I'd hang up and then another one call. The problem was I prayed too long. <laughs> you could only get about two phone calls in. <laughs> but I was praying for people, right? And it was from 7.30 o'clock. And, and, and uh, <laughs> there was a, a church in town that went and bought the slot at 7 to 7.30 to waste their time telling everybody that I was a heretic. They were spending their money telling everybody in the city that tongue talkers were of the devil. <laughs> Did you know my, my viewership or whatever it's called <laughs> went way up? <laughs> it was funny because Dan and I would stand on the outside of that thing every Sunday. He'd go, man, you got more listeners. I said, that guy just needs to keep on bashing me. You know, if, that's the best advertisement that I can get, right? And I listen to a lot of things now, and I think, if I'm going to get on the radio, I'm not going to waste my time talking about how silly you are. I'm going to waste my time talking about how great God is. I ain't got time to waste on you. Am I making any sense here? Oh, well. <laughs> They, they, the program I'll never forget is I sat out in front of the parking lot of the, of the it was over on the west side of town, wasn't it? The, the, the radio station used to be clear out on the west side of town, and our church was on 10th, and, and I, so I'd have to go from all the way out there back here. And I, so I got out there earlier, and I was sitting there, and this guy was ranting on the fact that uh, people should not lift hands in church. I changed my whole sermon. <laughs> I changed my whole sermon because he was telling people that this was of the devil. <laughs> so I did a whole thing that night. Listen, I couldn't preach, but I could just say with me, come Holy Spirit. Give us the divine mind of God. Give, give us that intelligence that's beyond the natural. Give us some unusual intelligence. The Bible says he searches, yea, the deep things of God. That he searches out the deep thing. Google never searches the right places. Google just searches the stuff you want. No, search the deep places of God. 
He doesn't search what men have or haven't done because he doesn't care. He doesn't search what this one knows and that one knows. As long as you're addicted to searching the world of human intelligence, you will never rise into the realm of the spiritual of God and see the things that God can do in your life. You'll be relegated to this. He searches the deep things. I cannot tell you the number of times in my life that I'd be doing something and it'd be the voice of God that'd say to me, I didn't know nothing. I had no knowledge to do this. I can't tell you the number of times I've been on four mission fields and, and we didn't know what to do and we'd just do this. Uh, we led a troop of 105 teenagers. 105 teenagers. We, we were in this border community and all of a sudden a, 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 a man pulled a knife on one of our teenagers. Unbeknownst to me, they were stealing people at that time, so they cut organs out and sell the organs. And God gave me four or five steps just to counteract what was going on. You don't get that out of Google. You don't get that out of Google. You don't get out of Google when that baby is laying in your arms and, and they say, no, we're not looking at her. You don't get that out of Google. Why would I want to go back and listen to that? Why would I go back? Why would I care? I've lived 63 years because the Holy Spirit has led me. Why would I care what somebody out there thinks? I'm here to tell you that we need to come into a prayer that we wait upon the Lord and he'll speak to us because he is God and beside him there is no other. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of this world. I, I could just stop. Can I tell you that as a Pentecostal, I have watched the Spirit of the world creep into the Holy Spirit-filled churches. I've watched us acquiesce to the things of the world. I received the Holy Spirit, not the Holy Church Growth Spirit. I received the Holy Spirit, not here. You want a latte before you go in? Somebody asked me today, when are we going to put the coffee shop back up? I don't think I will. Oh, well. If we do, never mind. Now, now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us. Tweet this. Your life is a reflection of whose voice you listen to. Tweet that. Your life is a reflection of the voice that you listen to. It is not hard for me Sunday after Sunday to hear some of you in the foyer, and I know what voice you've been listening to. I know the voices that are influencing you. I understand. Do, do, do you know that, that my children all learned how to speak English by the time they were two? They were able to take abstract ideas and articulate them in English. It's amazing. Because whatever you're immersed in, that's what you'll say. You immerse yourself in that stuff, and that's what you'll speak. And when you begin to speak it, that's what you'll live. When you begin to voice the things that come out of the Spirit of God, those are the things you speak, and that's the way you live. Your life is a reflection of the voices that you've been listening to. And many people in America today are too busy to make room to listen to the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, be still and know. That means that you're going to have to rearrange your schedule and take at least 30 minutes a day to sit and be still and listen. 
Not for you to tell God what you want, that's called prayer that looks like manipulation. But to be still, to create a calm place, a place that's silent. Yeah, but, but, but my brain goes nuts, that's the idea. Is so that you can recognize that your brain goes nuts. That's the whole idea. That all that stuff that goes off, but to sit there and continually with intention focus on Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me. To bring all of that into this place where it's all about the Christ. Can I tell you, it'll take you a month or two to set aside 30 minutes and do nothing but be still and listen to the voice of God. It's called meditation. I could take you through the scriptures. There has never been a man or a woman who succeeded in anything until they learned how to bring their mind under submission to the voice of the Lord my God. You must. I can't help you. They can't help you. No one can help you until you can center your life in on the Christ, and it takes time. See, we live in an atmosphere where people are arguing about who's right rather than living in an atmosphere where God is God. Can I tell you something? God is not speaking one million different things to the body of Christ. He's speaking one thing. It's the body of Christ that's trying to manipulate what he's saying into a hundred other things. There is one voice, one God, one Lord, one Holy Spirit. We must be quiet, center ourselves in, and listen for the voice of the Lord. Listen to that divine intelligence. Listen to his way. I actually believe that when you read about the prophet Elijah putting his head between his knees, he's trying to block the voices of the world out. And so he puts his head between his knees because he's heard too much gibberish. It's interesting to me how many people tell me, I don't listen to the news. Yes, you do. You've just chosen to listen to a different source. Everyone in this room knows about Afghanistan. Everybody. You heard it somewhere. That's news. You may not have heard it on NBC, ABC, CBS, FOX. You heard it somewhere. Why? Because we are made to live aware of what's going on in the world. You do know what's going on. You get to choose the voice that you listen to it from, which means you have to discern how much they're trying to manipulate you. And only the Holy Spirit can discern that for you. It's not that you listen to this network or that network. It's that you allow the Holy Spirit to help you discern what they're saying. Shutting it off does not supply the answer. What supplies the answer is your ability to have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you to discern what it is they're saying. Now you know this, right? Say with me, I knew that. <laughs> I'm editing. These things we speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Do you know, it makes no sense to march around Jericho six days. What are we going to do, Bubba? We're going to go march around them? What are we going to do then? Well, we're going to blow these horns. Oh, that makes no sense, right? It, it makes no sense. Here, give me your happy meal. What are you going to do with it? Watch. I'm going to pray. It makes no sense to step off a boat 
a perfectly good boat in the middle of a storm. That makes, I want you to take that handful of meal and I want you to make a cake and give it away. That makes no sense. It it made no sense for me to take a banana and walk out in that crowd. It made no sense for me to tell that man, go dig a hole in the front yard. It literally made no sense for me to move to Hutchinson, Kansas. None. It, It made no sense for me to go to Cuba or Africa. Nothing the Holy Spirit has ever said to me, could I run it by my thought? Because on the inside, I'm going, are you kidding me? You want me to do what with what? You think, see, once you've gone quiet and you can listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit through meditation, then when he says something that goes against the grain, you begin to recognize, oh, that's probably God. Because I'd have never thought of that. I'd have never imagined that. This is a bit unusual. The Hebrew writer says, for everyone who partakes of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But the solid food belongs to those who are full age, that is, those who by reason of their use have exercised themselves. I, I, I don't have any pecs. They're here. <laughs> they moved. I woke up one morning and went, really? I, I used to have muscles. Now my, now my 11-year-old granddaughter has more muscles. <laughs> I just do this and try to hide it. Did you know that if you don't exercise your muscles, they never develop? The reason the body of Christ has no spiritual gifts is not because they don't have them. The Holy Spirit comes in and unveils the gifts that you have, these things freely given. But if you don't use the gifts that he unveils to you, That's a problem as well. Many people in the body of Christ, God's lifted the veil and here's these gifts, but they've never exercised them. And I've heard it for 35 years. Well, if God wanted me to do that, he would do that. Oh yeah, like last time you thought God, God will give you a gift. He expects you to exercise that gift, to use that gift. Paul says, I pray that you all pray a certain way. Yeah, but that's not my gift. Yes, it is, because he gives it to everybody. I'm going to show you. It's just that we don't exercise it. You want someone to come in and be a puppet, and the Holy Spirit is never a puppet. If you never work it out, you remain out of shape. And the Spirit of God comes in to put you into shape, to reshape your... Am I doing okay here? 1 Corinthians chapter 12 then. This is where everybody wants you to get when you teach on spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Sorry, lost my place. Now concerning spiritual gifts, spiritual manifestations, concerning spiritual intelligence. Did I pull the dot? Concerning the intelligence of God, concerning the revelations of God, concerning the wisdoms of God. I do not want you to be ignorant. Did you get it? You can be saved and be ignorant. You can be saved, receive Jesus on your way to heaven, even have had some spiritual revelations and remain ignorant. I think the body of Christ today is suffering out of ignorance of spiritual things. 
Now the interesting thing is, is you don't even have to stay ignorant. You can send your five-year-old to kindergarten and they'll teach your five-year-old how to read and write. The interesting thing about spiritual gifts, spiritual intelligence, is that you can be equipped and trained so that you can develop those things that God has freely given to you. Notice how quiet it gets. This is a spirit-filled church. I believe that God wants you to receive the Holy Spirit. I believe that God wants you to exercise those gifts so that you become wise and mature in the intelligence of God. I have been raised in spirit-filled churches where, yes, we did silly things, where, yes, you saw strange manifestations. And I realize that many people are afraid of that. But I want you to understand that the opposite of that is to remain ignorant of the divine intelligence of God, which will end up getting your butt kicked all the way across the world. We don't have much of an option if we're going to live in the 21st century. We don't have much of an option if we're going to live, period. But we have to recognize we cannot remain unexercised. We cannot remain undeveloped. We cannot remain uninformed. And we cannot substitute the Holy Spirit with Google. Listen to me. There's too much information out there that is misleading people. The Bible says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Blessed is the man, in other words, that lives in the counsel of the Holy Spirit. You see, there are two, hmm. How about I ask myself a bit? I'm challenging this church. I'm challenging whoever listens to me to make it a priority as we come to the end of this year that we take back a look at what it means to walk in the outpouring and the presence of the Holy Spirit. That we take seriously how the Holy Spirit comes to reshape and mold our lives so that we can operate in the wisdom and the revelation of God. That we have an option to the world offering us information and that option is God himself. I'm telling you, today we are dying at the hands of people who want to be important, but they're just ignorant. We are dying at a hand of people who want titles and positions, but they have no divine revelation of what God is saying to the world today. We need to face the famine that is within the church, and that famine is for the presence of the Holy Spirit not in displays of power that make people look elevated, but in the simple realities that I need wisdom how to lead my family. I need wisdom and knowledge as to how to lead my marriage. I need wisdom and knowledge how to get out of the things that I shouldn't be in and how to go into the things I need to be in. There is room for that today in the 21st century. There is a hunger for that today in the 21st century. It is not church as usual, and, and, and pardon me, it's not a revival of what we have seen in previous days, but it is a revelation of the wisdom of God in a time when there is none. Hmm. Not even one applause. For the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one, say each one, each one. 
This is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. The manifestation, the intelligence, the gifts of the Spirit are given to each one. Look at somebody and say, you're one. For the profit of the all. This is so important because God is not going to give 425 different revelations of himself this morning. That's confusion. How do I know I've heard from God? It's confirmed by other people that listen to God. And I got news for you. There's a lot of, a lot of idiots out there on television. A lot of idiots out there on social media. A lot of idiots out there, and all they want is your attention and your money. You don't know them, and you never will know them. I'm your pastor. We're trying to survive a pandemic. We're trying to live through unemployment that is skyrocketing. We're trying to live through a world that is melting down. Thirteen veterans died this week in an attempt to save other lives. We cannot ignore those realities. We don't have time to argue about it in terms of politics. We have to rise up right now in the reality of it and have a voice for the presence of God. Am I making any sense to anybody? Hallelujah. So here's my question. Have you let the Holy Spirit reveal himself to you? Have you let him come into your life and make himself known to you? Have you sat with him long enough to where you can begin to see the differences between your prayers and what he desires for you to pray? Have you sat with him long enough for him to reveal to you those things that need convicted of and those things that you need to receive? Number two, have you let him refine you? When you look at the coming of the Holy Spirit, it talks about tongues of fire. When you see Peter talk, he talks about being purified by fire. Can I tell you something about the presence of the Holy Spirit? He'll burn in your heart. He'll burn in you. He'll wake you up. My God, he'll begin to purify the stuff in your life. He'll sanctify you to where some of those thoughts and attitudes you had aren't there. He comes to reveal to refine and then he comes to a murdering Jewish zealot named Saul who got up this morning and he went to kill Christians and as they got close to Damascus Jesus appeared to him and he was blind and he stumbled you know what I see a lot of Christians doing right now stumbling you know what my response is? Good. I'm glad you're groping. I'm glad you don't know what to do. I'm glad this has you bum-buzzled. Because what it really means is that you just simply don't know what to do. Now, Saul, you go down here to Straight Street. You, you stay there, and I'm going to send somebody to you. And the Holy Spirit goes to Ananias and says, I want you to go to Straight Street to that guy named Saul, the murderer, because I have chosen him. I've chosen him. You know, God will choose you. He'll redeem you. He'll come into your life when you are opposed to him. And he'll send somebody to you. And they'll lay hands on you. And you'll receive the Holy Spirit. And the murderer 
will become the greatest apostle that ever lived. The murderer will write two-thirds of the New Testament. The murderer will become the greatest missionary the world has ever known. The Holy Spirit will come to reveal, make known to you who he is. And in light of who he is, you'll recognize who you are. He'll come to refine you. He'll light a fire. And he'll begin to purify. And then he'll redeem you. He'll take you from being that to what he's called you to be. Now this is the gospel. This is not three steps. You're motivated to go out and conquer the world and make more money and live happily ever after. This is the message of Jesus Christ. The message of Jesus Christ is that he comes to forgive you of your sins and then move into your life and reshape, remold, redefine, reprioritize, purify. This is the gospel. So that next year, people look at you and go, he's just like See, it's my life, not my words that matter. It's my life, not my words. Many people are going to hear what I say and misunderstand it. But my life. Hard season in my life. And it came out my mouth before I could think. Well... We'll see if I can live what I believe. Because see, what you live will reveal what you believe. It will. It will. The sermon's about to end. Hopefully my life isn't like that. We need to live as people who listen to the voice of the Spirit. We need to live with people who are listening spirit. We need to, to live with people that can go, well, I thought he said this, and you thought he said that, until we can go, well, it seems right to us and to the Holy Spirit. It's not an individual calling. It's a people calling. It's us. That means you can't come once every six weeks and think you know. It means you have to live in this atmosphere means that when we sing songs, don't talk to each other. Worship Him. Oh, you didn't. That means that we're here for Him. And we need to hear from Him. This ought to be a place for the Holy Spirit. Tell it, I'm pulling on us. I'm pulling on us. I'm an unashamed, spirit-filled person. I pray in other tongues. Wish you all did. You don't have to, but I wish you did. I believe the Holy Spirit gives wisdom and knowledge and faith. I believe the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you and direct you. I believe the Holy Spirit is the answer to the issues of our Jesus Christ, come into my heart. Forgive me.
I hope the message truly inspired you today. If it did, do a couple things for me. Subscribe to our show and it'll just drop right into your feed and you can stay current with all that we're doing. The second thing is, is if you've been impacted by this ministry, you can click the link right there in front of you and you can become one of our givers and that'll help us to keep spreading the gospel and the good news around the world. Everyone needs to hear the good news right now, maybe more than any other time. So God bless and I'll see you next time.